Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. Well, so much for slowly getting back into the swing of things after the holidays, right? This has been quite a week, and here we are at the end of the first week of 2021. And while so much is still uncertain after a week that has rocked the nation— Congress at least did finalize the victory of President-elect Joe Biden in the wee hours of Wednesday night. And life, as it always does, will continue to move forward and transform. So this hour, we want to spend time hashing everything out with you. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about the things that we saw happen in Washington this week? Both the certification of the election that we had in November, but also the attack on our democracy, the insurrectionist mob that tried to take over the Capitol. Are you hopeful about things? Are you scared? Call and tell us how you're processing this moment at the end of just the first week of 2021. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation that way. And joining me all hour is a really familiar voice on our airwaves. Ron Fournier is president of the Truscott Rossman PR firm and former Associated Press Washington bureau chief. He's covered multiple presidential transitions as a reporter. Ron, as always, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. It's great to have you here. Uh, Throughout today's show, we're going to talk with some of our elected officials as well about what they're hearing and seeing in Washington concerning talk of maybe impeaching President Trump or having the cabinet remove him from office through the 25th Amendment. And joining us first to talk about that possibility is Michigan's senior senator in Washington, Debbie Stabenow. Debbie, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen, and it's great that you've got Ron with you. Yes. So it's good to talk to you. <laughs> um, so I want to start with uh, with this, uh, Senator. You support impeachment and the removal of the president, and you say you'd support the vice president uh, and the other members of the cabinet invoking the 25th Amendment. Talk us through why you're, why you're at that position. Well, Stephen, this is just really about at this moment, um, both sending a message uh, about the seriousness of what has happened, the irresponsibility of invoking mobs that really tried to um, take over the state capital and, and destroy a lot of uh, uh, the capital windows, uh, furniture inside, and, and so on. And, uh, and about the fact that uh, people lost their lives. We have at least uh, one Capitol Police officer who lost his life when he was attacked by uh, people in the mob. And we have four others uh, that were uh, participating that lost their lives. It's extremely serious. And so um, as a practical matter, we certainly know that there is only about 12 days left in this presidency. But... Of course, we need to send a message both around the country and to the world that in the United States of America, this is completely unacceptable and, and illegal. And then 
Secondly, I do worry about uh, what else the president could do in, in the next uh, 12 days because he, at this point, seems to have absolutely no boundaries mm. uh, or doesn't seem to care at all in terms of people being hurt. So the, 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 what really ought to happen is the vice president ought to be um, meeting with the cabinet officials and their process is the one where they put together uh, a letter a majority of the cabinet, the, the vice president that goes to the speaker and the uh, majority, uh, the, uh, the president pro tem, which is Senator Chuck Grassley right now in the Senate, where they say that they are um, you know, removing the president because of his, um, you know, he can no longer um, do, do his duty and it's a, it's a danger to the country. So I would prefer, rather than hearing about Betsy DeVos stepping down as as uh, Secretary of Education or Elaine Child stepping down in the Labor Department on the way out the door, that they stay there and work with the Vice President mm. to um, remove the President and basically allow the Vice President to be the one to continue uh, with the peaceful transfer of power. So, so I, I'm also curious to hear your reaction to what we saw yesterday, where the President did finally come out and kind of walk back some of the things that he said and did earlier in the week. He seemed, I thought, uh, perhaps under under some pressure from inside his administration. It seemed as though maybe Vice President Pence or some other folks had sat him down and said, you know, we need you to we need you to move to this space or or we may have to do something like uh, invoking the 25th Amendment. I, I wonder if the tone of the things he said yesterday, the tone and substance of the things he said yesterday, make you think any differently at all about about this. Is it too little, too late? Or no, not, not, yeah, no. And given this was, obviously he's under duress. It's completely opposite what he said on Wednesday. I appreciate the words. Uh, do I believe that he uh, seriously... And sincerely believes them. Uh, there's no indication of that. Is that based on his previous four years? And my guess is that um, you know, he could change um, in the next five minutes. So I, I don't see that happening. You know, I, I do also want to stress something else, even that, uh, and that is what we are seeing now are groups that are not uh, political groups, or certainly not democratic groups. Folks like. The National Association of Manufacturers, very important in Michigan, where their leader has said that uh, the vice president's cabinet should consider the 25th Amendment. We have uh, other business executives I've talked to in Michigan, and people know that um, you know this president is dangerous and out of control at this point. People lost their lives. Uh, we saw an insurrection and uh, you know mobs and and uh, inflaming domestic terrorism, and there's a lot of concern, a lot of concern that that even though there may be only 12 days before uh, the, uh, the 20th, that um, there's just a, a lot of concern about what this president could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Fournier, you, of course, covered D.C. politics for a really long time, including uh, the impeachment uh, proceedings when Bill Clinton was president. Uh, you, of course, continue to follow things really closely. What uh, What do you make of all of this talk of removing a president 
in the last 12 days of uh, his presidency and, and the things that we've seen this week. Yeah, Bill Clinton's impeachment seems awfully quaint right now, doesn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> I agree. Uh, you won't be surprised. I agree with everything Senator Stabenow said, that we uh, we must send a message to the world, uh, to the country, to future presidents, and to 40, 45 percent of our public uh, right now who think it's okay to um, uh, subvert uh, the democracy, who, who are easily lied to and um, um, uh, uh, supported, um, you know, or part of that mob mentality on Capitol Hill. What 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 got me about this week, Stephen, is 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 I um, I covered nine eleven from inside the White House, and I remember what it was like walking to my car um, outside the White House gates that night um, and passing through military checkpoints and seeing tanks on the street and wondering if um, the world would ever be the same. And remembering how, you know, what a gut punch that was. Mm. Uh, I found this harder to take because that was an attack from outside our country. This is an attack from inside of our country. And its um, its roots are much deeper than Trump and will outlast him. Um, and so we have to begin, it's not just beginning the healing, which is important, but also um, begin the accountability and, and, and um begin the work of attacking the root causes of, of this kind of disinformation, inciting, and and violence. Because nobody, nobody should have been surprised by what happened. Yeah. Um, these people who are who are resigning in protests because he undermined, the president undermined the public's faith in democracy and incited violence. I want to ask him, where have you been the last five years? I mean, that's been his two-step MO since... He launched his political career with the racist birther movement five years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's that's where my head is at, Stephen. So, uh, you know, Stephen, go if ahead, I might Senator. just jump in a second yeah. and, and just and, and respond to Ron as well. You know, 9-11 was my first year in the United States. Right. Senate, and right. I had I had that same sense of, uh, oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, I mean, it was it was horror and and watching the planes go into the buildings and so on and 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 all the emails and text messages from families and friends and at that time everything got slammed and shut down so i couldn't communicate with anybody and you know the panic of my family and so on um I, was i okay and so on i had that same feeling um wednesday i mean my texts were just blowing up and but it was different because it wasn't foreign terrorists it was, you know, domestic terrorists. It was citizens, you know, of Michigan and around the country, and and many of them who are believing the president who has uh, just over and over and over again convinced people of these conspiracy theories um, that are uh, so dangerous. And they came literally to quote take back their government. I mean, people I've talked to said that. You know, this president has told them they lost their government. They came to take it, take it back. It was a revolution. And um, certainly the language that I heard by, by some uh, I, uh, was a dangerous uh, language. So, uh, but it, it felt so much worse, so much worse. And Senator Min um, because Senator Min 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 I'm sorry, I'm just going to, many of these, just build on your point, many of these domestic terrorists 
are from Michigan. Yes. There are, there are pastors, there are, are, are little league coaches, there are teachers, there are police officers in Michigan um, who are part of this. That's to your point. That's what makes this so, so blood chilling. Yeah. It's so hard. And we have to, although it's going to be so hard, but we have to begin to heal this and somehow be able to get people listening to each other and deciding that we may have totally different political views, but we are not enemies. I am not the devil. They are not the devil, which is what they think right now. Mm-hmm. And that somehow anything goes, any kind of violence, any kind of destruction, anything goes. Because somehow, you know, they're completely threatened in terms of uh, uh, their lives and livelihood and government and so on. And so, uh, Lord knows, we have enough things that are threatening us related to COVID and the economy and, you know, all the other legitimate international challenges we have. We've got to find a way to bring people back together. But part of that has to be holding the folks accountable, starting with, this current president who did the inciting and encouraging and organizing. Uh, he and his family, he and his son were out there every step of the way encouraging the violence. Yeah. I, I want to get to some of our listeners here. Uh, Emily on Twitter makes a really interesting point. She says, I don't want him to be able to run for office again. I don't trust that our nation has long enough memory to not elect him in 2024. Of course, if he were impeached by the House and removed by the Senate, he would not be able to run uh, again. And so maybe that's another reason to to really think about that. Um, let's go to Bob yeah, in Clawson. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, let's go to Bob in Clawson. Bob, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning, everyone. Hey. Uh-huh. Uh, I am originally from the Thelma, Michigan. I grew up in a really conservative area in a liberal family. I know great people who I disagree with on most policies. I I really think there's good in just about all of us. What I'm really concerned is that there seems to be a large disagreement between policy disagreements and what Donald Trump has driven people to believe and act on. Blatant racism, promoting climate change denial, attempting to overturn free and fair elections. Those aren't policy disagreements. Those seem to be a deeper reflection of character. And, And today I've got my first kid on the way in March, and I am really struggling to find out how to talk to my friends and family who still support this president. Um, I I don't know how to have a conversation with them. I don't know how to bridge that gap um, now more than ever. Wow. Wow, Bob, that's pretty heavy stuff. But but congratulations about uh, the child you have on the way in March. That's very exciting. But I think you're not alone in, in fretting about what kind of world you're bringing a child into and what kind of future uh, we might have. Senator, I, I would imagine you're, you're kind of bombarded with questions like this or people, constituents, expressing these kinds of feelings. I am, yeah. yeah. You know, and I have the same feelings. I have small grandchildren now and trying to explain this to them. Um, uh, you know, and they also... By the way, we were pretty scared for me on Wednesday and, you know, for everybody that was involved as they were watching TV. Um, so, but somehow, and I, I'm not saying this is going to be easy, but we have got to find a way to come together around a central set of facts. You know, things like, you know, yes, there is a climate crisis. And, you know, yes, I mean, there's, there's certain of facts, and we've got this combination that's been on for years now 
of those who want us to believe, just climate crisis as an example, fossil fuel industry has spent 30 years, 40 years, um, they know it's a threat to their industry if we know that carbon pollution is real, so they bombarded the airwaves and put people in positions in universities and put up with their own studies and so on to convince us that it was a hoax, right? And then, so there are things like that, that where there's uh, interest, special interest, money interest, wealthy folks who have an interest in us not believing science. Mm. And then you add to that now someone like uh, this president and others who for their own personal reasons don't want people not only not to believe science, but not to believe the news. I mean, the, the president, you know, President Trump said in the very beginning he was going to attack all the mainstream media so nobody believed anybody but him. So that when people started trying to hold him accountable, that that his supporters would not believe it. And the one thing he is very good at is is that. I mean, Sal, Sal, Sal is the ultimate con man um, and is very good at it. And he has, and then you add unfiltered social media, um, you know, the division in the media now, uh, rather than have agreed upon sources of, you know, common news. Now everybody listens to the news that they think most reflects what they already believe. And so it, it's very difficult. And uh, now we have to get beyond it, but um, it is very difficult. And uh, we somehow we have to be able, I think, to get people back to understanding some commonality. I personally believe that part of this is, and I'm excited about our new president and vice president, because I believe part of this is also just showing that government can work for people, mm-hmm. um, you know, not just the powerful, not just rigged. Excuse me for this special interest, and that we need to be showing that people's lives can be better, that you know, their livelihoods, that we can tackle big issues, and try to uh, rebuild some trust. Yeah, I, I know you have to, to to run, Senator, and I'm really grateful for the the, the time today. But I, I wanted to get you just to talk briefly about Democrats gaining control of the Senate after these Georgia Senate runoffs. That means. Something for you, of course. Uh, you will become chair, likely. I yes. think of the agriculture uh, committee. You're already ranking member. Uh, but but talk about what that means for the Biden administration. What what does that mean for the country, at least for the next two years? All majority, but we do have the majority, and that what that means. Um, of course, you mentioned on I mean, a personal level for me that puts me back chairing the Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry Committee, which is means uh, not only supporting rural communities and our farmers, which is so important, they've been so bombarded, but our wonderful urban growers and places like Eastern Markets, uh, our farmers markets, and all those areas where I've really led on how we, you know, expand what we do on healthy foods and, and uh, children in school and, uh, and access to food and so on. And I'm also... Um, leading the effort on creating a voluntary carbon exchange so farmers can help in a very meaningful, real way on the carbon crisis. So I'm very excited about that. I think that's actually going to be the number one thing we do uh, that that impacts on climate change. Uh, Gary Peters will be uh, chairing the Homeland Security Mm -hmm. Committee, uh, Mm -hmm. which is 
wonderful for us, and we're a border state, you know, and and all that comes around that. Um, but more broadly, you know, what this means is that we decide what comes up for a vote in the Senate, meaning we, the Democrats. Uh, Mitch McConnell can't just stop everything that he's done for the last several years. You know, we had about 400 bipartisan pieces of legislation come from the House to the Senate in the last two years, and Mitch McConnell just wouldn't bring up any of them wow. for a vote. So we now decide what comes up for a vote. I determine what comes up in the committee in terms of what hearings we do uh, and what bills we vote on. Again, I, it's still you know, going to be 50-50 membership on committees, and I have a great relationship with the Republican uh, lead on uh, the Agriculture Committee. But um, So it's, it's going to still require a lot of bipartisanship. But it's the difference between whose agenda we are debating. And, and this is critical for President Biden, critical, because um, we have to get our arms around, you know, an aggressive distribution of the vaccines and, and testing and more of what needs to be done to support the states and local communities around those issues and what we need to do to get our children back in school and small businesses and people's, you know, being able to survive this. And then we really do have to build back better, which is, you know, exciting because there's a whole clean energy economy that Michigan can lead here in, uh, in manufacturing and agriculture and, um, you know, the, the new kinds of uh, manufacturing and component parts and so on that will uh, not only create jobs, which is fantastic, uh, but will solve the, the climate or slow down the climate crisis anyway. Uh, at the same time. So there's there's a lot we need to do, and that doesn't even count the criminal justice issues and, uh, you know, all of what we have seen on display, not only with COVID, but frankly with what happened on Wednesday as well. Uh, you know, we have to make sure there's much, um, you know, a much different approach to how people of color are treated uh, during the protest or uh, anything else, yeah. um, as, as opposed to their white counterparts. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Senator Debbie Stabenow, always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. We are going to keep the wonderful and brilliant Ron Fournier of Truscott Rossman. And we are going to be joined by Congressman Andy Levin, who joined us yesterday to talk about what happened in Washington in the Capitol. Today, we're going to talk about what should happen to the president of the United States. Congressman Levin was one of the first people to come out and say Donald Trump should go. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you're with us. We're talking today about the first week of 2021, which isn't even over yet, and it has already been packed full of rather eventful things. In some cases, 
really high points, in some cases the lowest of low points. Uh, we want to hear from you this hour how you're feeling about all of the things that have happened this week. How are you feeling about this attack on our democracy, on the Capitol uh, by an insurrectionist white mob in Washington, D.C.? Uh, are you feeling optimistic that things will settle down and come back together after January 20th when Donald Trump leaves office? Uh, or do you think we need to take some action now to make sure things settle down, remove the president from office, either through the 25th Amendment, which would require Vice President Pence in the cabinet to vote to get rid of the president or through a second impeachment proceeding in Congress, which is already taking shape. Uh, word this morning that impeachment hearings will begin in the House of Representatives on Monday. So this is not idle talk. Uh, they are quite serious about at least discussing the possibility of removing President Trump from office. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. We've got Ron Fournier with us. He is president of Truscott Rossman and a former Associated Press Washington Bureau chief, covered lots of presidential transitions and lots of other issues uh, in Washington. Always great to have Ron with us. Uh, I want to welcome another voice to the conversation now. Congressman Andy Levin is a Democrat from Bloomfield Township. He represents Michigan's 9th District in Washington. Congressman, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks so much, Stephen. It's great to be with you. And hi, Ron. <laughs> How you doing, sir? So, uh, uh, Andy, uh, we had you on yesterday and talked about what happened the day before, this uh, unprecedented attack on uh, our nation's capital. But we ran out of time before we could talk to you about something we really wanted to discuss, which was your support, even at that point, of removing the president from office, something that every Democrat from Michigan has now said they will also support. Talk about the reason you came to the conclusion that Trump has to go now, not after his term expires in less than two weeks. Well, Stephen, I think there are really two issues here. One is the uh, safety and security of the United States in these next, um, you know, what, 12 days, whatever it is. And the second is um, the president's culpability and the, the really, in my judgment, the fact that he should not ever again hold an office of, of faith and trust of the United States. As you know, one of the, um, one of the results of impeachment is the impeachment isn't like putting someone in jail, right? It's just removing them from office and saying that they cannot serve an office again. So those, it, you know, in terms of the 25th Amendment, I see it more about trying to immediately remove the president, and in terms of impeachment, you know, the rationale is a little different. And, in, and for the 25th Amendment, I mean, we uh, really saw a president foment a, an insurrection in our capital and then do nothing to uh, stop it when it was happening. He said in his little video last night that he called out the National Guard I just don't think that's at all true. Our, my understanding is that we, you know, that I, I mean, the chair of the Armed, Ser Armed Services Committee, Adam Smith, t 
told me about his calls. Um, Alyssa Slotkin personally knows General Milley from her service. She talked to him. All our, our speaker, all of our leadership, were working with the vice president and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the Pentagon to get the National Guard out. The president was missing in action mm. in the low moment of our democracy, mm. and he he just simply can't be. Whether it's mental health problems or whatever it is, he is not capable of carrying out uh, his duties these last days, and, and we should invoke the 25th Amendment immediately. So, so I want to ask you about the historical context here. There have been uh, three presidents who have been impeached by the House of Representatives uh, before, uh, but no president has been removed from office by the Senate. So this would make Donald Trump the first, the first in American history to be removed from office. And it would happen at the very end of his presidency. I guess I'm not passing judgment one way or another about whether that that's a good idea or bad, but I just think it's worth stopping a second to consider setting that, that precedent. Is that is that the right thing to do in this case? Is that the right thing to do for posterity, which is what it would be? It would be a first. Yeah, I mean, Stephen, I, I don't really look at it as like how history will judge us in that way. I look at it, I'm trying to look at the facts and the needs of the American people. We've got an inauguration coming up, another uh, public event that's even more difficult to secure. It's outdoors. Um, of course, it'll be radically different because of COVID. Um, and we've got a president who, you, given the extremity of his misbehavior or failure to, to act in a rational way, I mean, he still controls um, the military, the nuclear codes. I mean, he... We, I just don't think he should be um, in power anymore here. And so um, I, I don't – I'm fine with history's judgment. I think he has amply shown himself unfit for office, and we have to just act to mm-hmm. deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Fournier, you, of course, covered the impeachment of Bill Clinton uh, back in the late 1990s. I wonder what you make of – the historical context of, of, of this discussion at this point uh, and what it would mean if we removed a president for what he did uh, and with just a matter of days left in his presidency. Well, it's a great question, and, and, and I like how the congressman handled the in the moment. There's no doubt we have to do something. And I hadn't thought of the sweep of history until he asked the question, and, and I'm thinking of our – I could put myself 50 years down the road and I'm writing the history of this time. I'm going to look at this time um, uh, kind of in the same prism that we now look at the Civil War, a time when there was an insurrection um, from inside um, of our republic, uh, when there was domestic terrorists who um, um, wanted to overthrow our form of government. And we stood up and said no and um, sent a a message to history, to our great-grandchildren, um, that we understand our democracy is fragile um, and um, flexible, and we will only let it bow so far, and we will say no. 
That's what Lincoln did in the Civil War. And I think that's what Democrats and Republicans in Congress, it's, I don't think it's enough just for the cabinet um, in Congress need to say this week um, that we may bend, but we will not break. Mm-hmm. We will not allow a president to incite a mob to try to overthrow um, our capital and wave the Confederate flag um, um, in, in our Capitol building. Mm-hmm. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Call and tell us how you're taking all of the things that have happened in just the first week of 2021 in. What are you making of all of this? Uh, let's go to Wendy in Detroit. Wendy, welcome to the program. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I just wanted to make a comment about, you know, just viewing this this whole event from the lens of a black person in America. You know, it's one thing to know and even experiencing white privilege in action in America every day. And while I can't say that it's, you know, surprising to watch these white rioters, you know, get over in this way, um, it is jarring to see them, you know, do this in such an egregious way and at this magnitude, you know, breaching security at our capital um, in a way where you, in, almost anyone would have assumed that, you know, any any group behaving in this way would have been you know, essentially killed at the doorsteps. And especially if it had been black protesters, I doubt that they would have made it even that far. You know, I can't think of a Black Lives Matter protest ever in history since we've started protesting where, you know, the police were not armed, prepared and ready and surrounding the protesters even as they marched and, you know, brutalizing us and arresting us, you know, at at drastic rates. And so to watch these white protesters and, well, rioters and terrorists even, um, behave in this way and leave untouched and even be allowed to take selfies and celebrate in the moment and 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 match that with with the knowledge that when it's us in the streets simply asking not to be killed simply asking for our lives to be respected we are brutalized and we are terrorized and and as a black person in America it was I mean, it, again, it's it's not surprising, but it just further illuminates the, the and exposes the racist lens of how we view protests in America. Yes. Uh, Wendy, I could not have said what you said any better than 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 you just said it. Uh, and I think everybody who is conscious of the racial differences and disparities and unfairnesses in this country. We were all watching and having that same reaction on Wednesday. Where are where are the police? I just kept saying, and what are they doing? You have people busting the windows and crawling through them, uh, and you see police cowering inside or or welcoming them in and wandering around with them. It it defies every sense of fairness and justice that uh, that I think any of us really has. Uh, Congressman Levin, uh, of course, you were in the Capitol while this happened, uh, but you're also somebody who's talked a lot about inequality and injustice, uh, racism in this country. Give me your reaction to that disparity that was on such garish display on Wednesday. Stephen, it was so obvious to us. It smacked you in the face. And I think what was really amazing is that how they would have set up for it altogether, it would have been different, you know? So here was 
a president called people to Washington to obstruct the counting of the electoral votes, normally a ministerial function, if a kind of grand one, an old-fashioned one. And then he spoke to them and sent them down to the Capitol. Uh, and the security posture was so lackadaisical, whereas, as Wendy said, and how many we've been, many of us, of course, have marched in the streets for racial justice, and often you face massive shows of force from the police when you're not trying to go take over any federal building or threaten anybody. You're just trying to say, can we have peace? Can we respect black lives and see black people as full human beings? And, you know, it, the, 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 the juxtaposition of those two things is just shocking about what it says about how, you know, alive racism is in the United States and the lens through which people see things. It was, it was a shocking thing to be part of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think, Stephen, that's, ahead, the other great, that's going to be the other great lesson in history. That was the other big revelation, not revelation, but reflection that we saw the other day. I mean, think about it. In New York City, Police killed Eric Garner after a dispute over cigarettes. Yes. George Floyd lost his life on the streets of Minneapolis over a counterfeit $20 bill. We know, we, you know, I, I, again, I covered <laughs> Capitol Hill in that police department. I know how they, and I've seen the militarization of police throughout this country, and especially in D.C. since 9-11. Mm -hmm. We all know exactly what would have happened if that had been a Black Lives Matters protest they would still be rinsing blood off the, off the steps of the, of the Capitol building. So, you know, we have to come to face with that. We have to come to grips with that. There was a, that police force was as obviously loaded with conscious and unconscious bias. Um, and I say that as someone, you know, as you know, Stephen, I'm the son of a Detroit police sure, officer. Sure. Um, I support, as we all do, uh, law enforcement. Um, but there were sympathizers uh, with the terrorists um, wearing badges, and and there was an entire police force um, paralyzed by racial unconscious bias. Um, that that we would have had a completely different outcome had that been Muslims or blacks um, protesting, not even having the storm, just protesting at Capitol Hill. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Congressman Andy Levin. It's always great to talk to you here on Detroit Today. Thank you for joining us for a second day in a row. I think that's the first time we've done that. <laughs> that's but, the record. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. It's so we'll have great to do that to again. Right? And have a good weekend. <laughs> okay. Bye -bye. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, we're going to come back, continue the conversation with Ron Fournier of Truscott Rossman, and get to more of your calls. If you want to talk about this crazy first week of 2021, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter. Put comments there and we'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day on 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for joining us. We're talking about this first week of 2021 
which has been extraordinary in so many different ways. Uh, and we're wanting to hear from you about uh, how you're feeling about all of this. How are you feeling about the presidential election being certified finally? Uh, how are you feeling about the Georgia Senate runoff races, which produced some surprises, at least one surprise, I would say, and that uh, they got both seats. I think a lot of people expected Democrats to win at least one of those seats, but they did win them both. Uh, and of course, what's your reaction to this attack on the Capitol and our democracy? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can go to Facebook or Twitter Put comments there. I've got Ron Fournier with me. He's the president of Truscott Rossman and former Associated Press Washington Bureau Chief. Uh, Ron, before we get back to callers, I, I, I want to give you a chance to talk about fixing our democracy. It's something you and I have talked about for a long time, how broken mm -hmm. things seemed and how we get back to some sort of normalcy, I guess. Uh, uh, but I'm wondering how you're feeling today about that? What, is it even possible anymore to fix what's broken here? Yeah, I really, I really worry uh, that it might not be. Uh, we have all the institutional um, issues that you and I have been talking about for 20 years now. And on top of that, we have um, the, the big uh, social um, technological uh, challenge where we now live in a time where humanity is so radically connected with one another. Um, that it is easier than ever, um, and maybe easier than it should be, um, to um, be lied to and 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 to accept lies. And we now have, um, and this isn't just a problem with the right, although it's it's most extreme, um, and it's not even just in politics. We now live in a world where we all like walking around in our intellectual bubbles, and we'll follow our leader um, over the cliff, and we'll believe anything we're told. Um, and how do you, you know, how do you, um, how do you have a democracy um, when it is so easy to um, mislead? I mean, right now, um, at a time when we all walk around with every piece of information that humanity has ever produced in our pocket, 40% um, of Americans believe that Biden is not the legitimate winner of the president, mm -hmm. presidency. And 80% of Lincoln's party. 80% of Republicans think Biden is not the legitimate winner of the of the election. That's that's a lot of toothpaste to put back in the tube. And, and um, it's it, it's it's, uh, you know, the existential nature of the challenge that this week um, presents to us is is really daunting, really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Again, three, one, three, five, seven, seven. 1019, we've got a lot of callers skewed up. I want to make sure we get to as many as we can. Let's start with John. In Windsor, John. What's up? Uh, good morning, Stephen. Great show. Thank you. Uh, I got to tell you, we Canadians, and I'm an American though as well, scratching our heads, <laughs> just scratching our heads over here. Mm -hmm. Can't figure it out. Um, what What I find interesting is is um, my family. We got one foot in the north and one foot in the south. We've been down in North Carolina for two, three generations now. Is after the Second World War. The German government, the British war, said nothing Nazi-related, mm -hmm. period. You couldn't fly it. You couldn't show it. You couldn't discuss it. We allowed the South, we allowed Dixie to just continue. The war was over, and we said, okay, we'll just sort of go away our separate ways now. But we never went in there after this, the, uh, the, the root cause of the problem. We, we never changed the attitudes of the South. 
And that permeated up to the north. And, you know, there's an old saying down in the Carolinas when we got down there is if you were colored is we don't care how close you get to us, just don't get too big and Mm. uppity. Mm. Whereas in the north, it's regarding African-Americans, we don't care what you do for a living. I just don't want you as my neighbor. So we've, we've never gotten rid of this systemic racism in this country. And it won't happen until we get rid of Dixie, period. End of discussion. You know, John, I, I'm really glad you called and, and made that point. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of reference this week to uh, the moment in American history when we decided that that was all going to, to be OK to continue. And it's, you know, it's 1876 and 1877, uh, again, with uh, a, a contested presidential election, but a compromise that comes out uh, of, of all of that uh, ends Reconstruction, which which was en- intended uh, to, to heal uh, this cleave between the North and South and to stop uh, the systemic racism. It, of course, brings about Jim Crow, which we have to deal with for almost another hundred years. Uh, and we're now only 60 years uh, past the end of, of Jim Crow, uh, just barely uh, 60 years. And so uh, we, we did make some terrible mistakes. I have been saying this week that that one of the things that I think we need to start doing is looking at some other places in the world where they have tried to create multiracial democracies after real uh, injustice and, and, and racism and discrimination. And South Africa is a country that's had a lot of problems for a really long time but their journey since apartheid to where they are now has some really valuable lessons for the United States about how to deal with exactly this thing. Uh, Ron Forney, I wonder what you make of the possibility of, of fixing these things that, that we just didn't have the courage to stick with uh, many, many years ago. We don't fix it until we really understand it. And for as much as, you know, Steve and I have tried to understand this and have talked about it and you know, carried my Detroit upbringing to Arkansas and then to Washington and then back home. Um, I didn't realize how little I had my hands around it until um, the holidays when I picked up a book called Cast that I'm sure you're familiar with. C-A-S-T-E mm-hmm. as in Cast yeah. System by Isabel Wilkerson, by Isabel Wilkerson yeah. you know, former Detroit news reporter. Yep. Um, it rocked me. I mean, what, what she does is put this in, basically calls our republic a, a caste system and compares it to Nazi Germany and makes the point that our caller did, also looks at India. And there's a moment in there about the middle of the book where she's talking to her friend, Taylor Branch, who wrote the great book, Parting the Waters, mm-hmm. uh, about Martin Luther King, uh, Bill Clinton's roommate in the McGovern campaign, ironically. And he tells her, they're talking about all this, and he says here, this quote just, just, just rocked me. If people were given a choice between democracy and whiteness, Taylor Branch asked her, how many would choose whiteness? Hmm. And I tweeted over the holidays that that quote, more than ever, made the, the Trump presidency make sense to me. If people were given a choice between democracy and whiteness, how many would choose whiteness? Well, we saw the choice that many made on, this, on the Capitol grounds this week. It's a remarkable book. Um, that I recommend everybody, everybody. Read. Yeah, it's, it, it is a wonderful book. She is an amazing writer and thinker. And, oh. and uh, yeah. I would love to to have her here. We have been efforting getting her 
to sit down for an interview here on uh, Detroit Today to talk about uh, her book and a, a number of other things. So hopefully we will we will make that happen uh, really soon. Um, uh, again, of course, uh, her first book on the Great Migration yeah, has a lot to do with Detroit. It's That'd unbelievable, be, yeah. right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. would be a great conversation. Beautiful, beautiful writer. Uh, let's go to Aaron in Plymouth. Aaron, I've only got about two minutes left, but I wanted to get you onto the show here. Hello. Hey, Aaron. Go ahead. Hey, uh, I watching everything happen yesterday really uh, was irritating to me because in about 2001, I was involved in a protest against the IMF and World Bank in Washington, D.C. One of the largest arrests in D.C. history, mm. it was about 780 people were arrested. Uh, I spent 18 hours, nine of which were on a school bus, zip-tied with my hands behind my back, um, and then another eight or so hours in a prison cell with one hand uh, zip-tied to one ankle. Um, And we were arrested for parading without a permit. (laughs) And nothing, like, it was the most peaceful uh, protest I've seen. (laughs) Um, we were ready to get out of there and go home and the SWAT team showed up or PS police. It was uh, any agency with three letters, uh, putting us on buses and shipping us out. Aaron, yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. The the, the contrast of your description and then what we saw this week is, is the thing that infuriates people. And I'm glad that you're pointing out that, look, uh, it, this happens not infrequently, uh, that there's, there's just this incredible disparity in our country about uh, how we treat people. Aaron, I really appreciate the call and uh, the comments. Okay, Ron Fournier, uh, we could uh, talk all day about this, I know, but uh, we're out of time. I really love that you joined us uh, to end to end Thanks this first week of 2021. Maybe it'll maybe things will be better in 2022. I don't know. <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to do it. That's going to do it for us today. I will be back on Monday. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson is going to join the program to talk about redistricting, another thing that's about to happen here in the state of Michigan. Will look really different than it has in the past. We'll also talk about the elections again. The election results finally being final. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday.